Bless the Lord who forgives all our sins. His mercy endures forever. There is one body and one spirit. There is one God and God's cross. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Blessed Lord, who caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life which you have given us in our Savior Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from Zephaniah. Be silent before the Lord God, for the day of the Lord is at hand. The Lord has prepared a sacrifice. He has consecrated his guest. At that time I will search Jerusalem with lamps, and I will punish the people who rest complacently on their dregs, those who say in their hearts, The Lord will do no good, nor will he do harm. Their wealth shall be uh, plundered, and their houses laid waste. Though they build houses, they shall not inhabit them. Though they plant vineyards, they shall not drink wine from them. The great day of the Lord is near, near and hastening fast. The sound of the day of the Lord is bitter. The warrior cries out aloud there. That day will be a day of wrath, a day of distress and anguish, a day of ruin and devastation, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of trumpet blast and battle cry against the fortified cities and against the lofty battlements. I will bring such distress upon the people that they shall walk like the blind. Because they have sinned against the Lord, their blood shall be poured out like dust and their flesh like dung. Neither their silver nor their gold will be able to save them on the day of the Lord's wrath. In the fire of his passion, the whole earth shall be consumed. For a full, a terrible end he will make of all the inhabitants of the earth. The word of the Lord. We will read Psalm 90 responsively, whole verse by whole verse. Lord, you have been our refuge from one generation to another. Before the mountains were brought forth, or the land and the earth were born, from age to age you are God. You turn us back to dust and say, Go back, O child of earth. For a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it is past and like a watch in the night. You sweep us away like a dream. We fade away suddenly like the grass. In the morning it is green and flourishes. In the evening it is dried up and withered. For we consume away in your uh, displeasure. We are afraid because of your wrathful indignation. Our iniquities you have set before you, and our secret sins in the light of your countenance. When you're angry, all our days are like all our days are gone. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The span of our life is seventy years, perhaps in strength even eighty. Yet the sum of them is but labor and sorrow, for they pass away quickly, and we are gone. Who regards who regards the power of your wrath? Who rightly fears your indignation? So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. A reading from 1 Thessalonians. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers and sisters, you do not need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. 
When they say there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them, as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and there will be no escape. But you, beloved, are not in darkness, for that day to surprise you like a thief, for you are all children of light and children of the day. We are not of the night or of darkness. So then let us not fall asleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who are drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, and put the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has destined us not for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build up each other, as you indeed are doing. The word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. Lord Christ. Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven will be as when a man, going on a journey, summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. The one who had received the five talents went off at once and traded with them and made five more talents. In the same way, the one who had two talents made two more talents. But the one who received the one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. Then the one who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you handed over to me five talents. See, I have made five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one with the two talents also came forward, saying, Master, you handed over to me two talents. See, I have made two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Then the one who had received the one talent also came forward, saying, Master, I knew that you are a harsh man reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master replied, You wicked and lazy slave! You knew, did you, that I reap where I did not sow, and gather where I did not scatter? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and on my return I would have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him, and give it to the one with the ten talents. For for to all those who have, more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even even what they have will be taken away. As for this worthless slave, throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The Gospel of the Lord. Let us pray. O thou far off yet near, 
whole and broken, who in necessity and bounty wait, whose truth is light and dark, mute though spoken. By thy wide grace, show me thy narrow gate. Amen. Well, uh, thank God for a baptism today, because (laughs) if we had to sit with those readings without a baptism, that would be dreadful. So... uh, and nothing, nothing a little Cat Stevens can't help too, right? So, all right. <laughs> Last week, uh, we dealt with the difficult parable of the wise and foolish bridesmaids. While, and while the parable presented a number of troubling possibilities, the most compelling interpretation I encountered was one that questioned the departure of the foolish bridesmaids to retrieve more oil. So when they woke, the, all ten of them woke from their unfortunate nap while waiting for the delayed bridegroom. They were the, the foolish were out of oil for their lamps. And instead of waiting for the bridegroom, the five of them uh, uh, left the other bridesmaids who had brought enough oil because they were convinced that they needed to go into town to purchase more oil for their lamps. And while these five foolish bridesmaids were off to the market, the bridegroom returned and they were left out of the wedding feast. And for me, the most compelling question was, should the foolish bridesmaids have left? Or should they have trusted in the goodness of the bridegroom to light their way when they arrived or when he arrived, whether they had oil for their lamps or not? The question raises a deeper issue about our trust in grace and the goodness of God and the kindness of God. What was, was it fear? Was it fear that led the foolish bridesmaids to depart? Fear that the bridegroom would not be kind to them? Was it their departure that ultimately makes them foolish? A departure that prioritized their own dim lamps over the brightness of the bridegroom himself, causing them to miss the long-awaited arrival altogether? Is their foolishness due to their lack of trust in the kindness of the one on whom they wait? So I wonder, given that our parable this morning follows immediately on the heels of the wise and foolish bridesmaids, if we aren't meant to read this with a similar question in mind, we see that the slave who is entrusted with one talent creates a self-fulfilling prophecy where his assumption becomes realized. Master, I knew that you were a harsh man reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid. So I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground, and here, have what is yours. I don't want to dismiss the harsh, troubling response of the master, but if we come away from this parable imagining the kingdom of God to be built on an economy of interest and productivity, I think we get it exactly wrong. This is the interpretation I want to avoid, that disciples might be commended for their ability to generate a profit So in any case, I don't think this is the cause, ultimately, of the harsh response from the master. If we take this alongside the parable of the wise and foolish bridesmaids that we heard last week, and then as a lead-in to next week's parable of the judgment of the nations, judged like sheep and goats, then I think we can hear some actual good news in what would otherwise be a cruel and tragic scene. Consider the other slaves entrusted with their different quantities. If we draw any similarities between the first two, it is that they did not withhold any security. That is, they each invested the entirety of what they'd been given. Anyone who was around in 2008 knows well enough the risk involved in such investment, that there is always a chance of losing every bit of the investment, and then some. The first two entrusted with five and two talents used them 
and gained. But we could reasonably guess that they might have just as easily lost the talents they'd been given. I want to believe that the slave who buried his talent was not reprimanded for failing to return the money. Obviously not, since he returned exactly what he had been given. Nothing was lost. Rather, I think the failure to risk out of fear becomes his self-fulfilling prophecy. It is his fear of risk, his fear of the master, that comes back to bite him. His fear drives his story, I was afraid, and his fear brings about his fate. But we, we are those who claim that perfect love casts out fear. And just as the foolish bridesmaids did not trust that the bridegroom would bring them into the feast, whether they had oil in their lamps or not, so too this slave does not trust that the master will commend the risk regardless of the outcome. I know that there are plenty of us, plenty of Christians, who walk on eggshells and bury their talents, so to speak, out of fear that they might cross a line or miss the mark. So many have been taught to fear stepping out of line, to fear that God will smite them for any misstep or indulgence in grace, that entering into the joy of the master is just always out of reach. We can live our entire life out of fear and caution, such that our lives become miserable, a self-inflicted condemnation. And I cannot imagine this is the life God wants for us. I believe that God desires our joy that we would enter the joys of life with God here and now, but this takes risk. I know many folks who have taken such risks, stepped beyond the comfort, or rather caution, of lives governed by fear of sin and punishment. I know many folks who have stepped beyond the caution of dogmatic limitations on who should and should not be loved or allowed to love, who should and should not be at this table, who should and should not be in this pulpit. These brave souls have shown a risky trust in the mercy, kindness, and love of God beyond the fear that casts out joy. They have seen that a life filled with risky, reckless love and mercy is one that is far more joyful and beautiful than a life buried in the dirt and hidden from the diversity of this beloved creation. As I considered this passage this week, I was reminded of a climactic scene in Mark Twain's Huckleberry Finn. Huck has come to realize that according to his indoctrination in Sunday school, he is in danger of hellfire because he has been complicit in helping the escaped slave Jim who has been his companion throughout the story. Huck wrestles with this fear of hell and the surprising discovery of his love and care for Jim, which has grown deep over the course of their journey. He recalls Jim's kindness, affection, and care along the way, and he finally cannot bring himself to turn Jim over to Miss Watson, the former enslaver. In a startling moment of deep conversion, considering, considering the letter Huck had written, to Miss Watson to reveal Jim's whereabouts, Huck says, I took it up, took the letter up, and held it in my hand. I was a-trembling, because I'd got to decide forever betwixt two things, and I knowed it. I studied a minute, sort of holding my breath, and then I says to myself, all right then, I'll go to hell. And he tore it up. Reading this now, it's hard to imagine the kind of risk it must have been to choose between a friendship and punishment in hell. 
for a perceived sin. We can look at this in hindsight and realize that this is a grand moment of moral courage for the less than scholarly Huck Finn, an insight into goodness and just, justice that more learned folks of the time would not have grasped. But it was not so for Huck Finn, and rather than bury himself and his compassion back in the dirt for the sake of the cultural dogma, he took the risk of, to his mind, the punishment of hell for the sake of his companion. But the parable takes this even further, I think, beyond the fear of risking punishment and condemnation, toward a trust that the risk itself is underwritten by the infinite mercy of God. It is the fear that robs us of joy when, we, when God would have us live fully and without fear, risking love for the sake of our neighbor, trusting that the goodness and mercy of God, the goodness and mercy of God will be our final judge. It is what the reformer Martin Luther meant when he provocatively encouraged us to sin boldly. It is what Julian of Norwich meant when she said, all shall be well and all shall be well and all manner of things shall be well. It is what the poet Mary Oliver meant when she said, there is nothing more pathetic than caution when headlong might save a life, even possibly your own. Each of these saints and poets understood that grace and mercy, love and kindness is the foundation of all things, the ground of all being. So risk failure for the sake of love and mercy. Charge in headlong, sin boldly, knowing that all shall be well and all manner of things shall be well. Trust in grace, trust in mercy. In it, you will find the joy of the Father. It is this risky life into which we baptize Amelia Bailey this morning. She will be brought to these waters of new birth and new life, not for fear of condemnation, but for the birth of fearless joy and trust that the God who seals her with the Holy Spirit will never look upon her with anything but mercy and love. It is for this reason that we can give her to a life so beautifully narrated in one of, a, one of the prayers of this service, one we will hear shortly. Give her an inquiring and discerning heart, the courage to will and to persevere, a spirit to know and to love you, and the gift of joy and wonder in all your works. She is born anew into courage, joy, love, perseverance, curiosity, and discernment. There is now no condemnation for this little one who is in Christ Jesus, nor is there condemnation for any of us who have put our whole trust in his love. Here is our assurance that the risks we take for the sake of love for one another will not meet wrath or retribution. Here is our assurance that erring on the side of mercy and grace, peace and kindness will not lead to our destruction. On the contrary, it is in pushing the boundaries of grace, mercy, peace, kindness, and love that we will discover their infinite height, breadth, and depth, and charging fearless and headlong, boldly and assured of God's infinite grace into this life in which we have been entrusted, we will enter into the infinite joy prepared for us. Amen. Then let us stand and join with those who are committing to Christ and renew our own baptismal covenant. Do you believe in God the Father? I believe in God the Father.
Do you believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God? I believe in Jesus Christ, the only Son of our Lord, who was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. Do you believe in God the Holy Spirit? I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Will you continue in the apostles' teaching and fellowship, in the breaking of the bread, and in the prayers? Will you persevere in resisting evil, and whenever you fall into sin, repent and return to the Lord? Will you proclaim by word and example the good news of God in Christ? Will you seek and serve Christ in all persons, loving your neighbor as yourself? Will you strive for justice and peace among all people and respect the dignity of every human being? Grant, O Lord, that all who are baptized into the death of Jesus Christ, your Son, may live in the power of his resurrection and look for him to come again in glory, who lives and reigns now and forever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be always with you. And now as our Savior Christ has taught us, we are bold to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Eternal God, Heavenly Father, you have graciously accepted us as living members of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And you have fed us with spiritual food in the sacrament of his body and blood. Send us now into the world in peace and grant us strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and singleness of heart through Christ our Lord. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be amongst you and abide with you always.